Thanks so much for listening. Before I get into the episode, I wanted to thank today's podcast sponsor, which is Coda Luna and their baby keepsake castle. I personally just put all of my baby's memorabilia into these little keepsake castle boxes and they are so adorable functional. And if you really love organization, then you're really going to love this keepsake box. So not only is it a keepsake box, but it also includes a baby book and it has space for capturing all of the milestones of your baby's early years. And then the keepsake box itself stores all of the memorabilia that you want to keep. So baby's first socks and pacifier and the little hat that they wore when they came home from the hospital. So this keepsake castle with the baby memory book is more than just an organizational product. It's a gateway to preserving the remarkable journey of new parenthood. So take a moment to visit keepsakecastle.com today and embark on creating a lasting legacy of love and nostalgia. Thank you for listening to the Finding Your Village podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Gorman. I'm a 33-year-old, slightly crunchy, mostly type A mom and wife surviving the pandemic in Woodstock, Georgia. I started this podcast to reminisce on the lessons that I've learned in my four and a half years that I've been on this parenting journey in an effort to make your parenting journey slightly easier. How is everybody doing? Seriously, how are you doing? I would really like to know. But this is a podcast, so if you are answering out loud right now, I cannot hear you. So please instead reach out to me on my new favorite app called Instagram. You may have heard of it. I'm at Finding Your Village. So I've been doing a lot of interviews recently, which has been great. But today I'm doing a solo show and I'm going to talk about something that is very near and dear to my heart. And that is going past your due date in pregnancy. So the goal today is to tell you about my own personal experience with being overdue twice And I would like to close the show out with giving you some suggestions on what you can do with that time, that overdue precious period, so that you don't drive yourself crazy. (laughs) And along the way, you can do some favors for your future self. So I'll get into that more. But I would like to start the show today by telling you a quick story. So it was August 2016, and the Olympics had just started around the world and I had just passed my due date in Georgia. I was feeling restless. I was looking for camaraderie. And so I searched for overdue in my podcast app and an episode from a show that I had never heard of before popped up. I clicked the link, I listened to the episode and wow, did I find camaraderie. The episode was narrated by a woman who was a mom who was remembering the time that she was overdue as a first-time mom expecting her daughter during the Olympics. The hairs on my arm stood at attention. I listened to her story about being late with her baby, watching the Olympic Games on her hands and knees, trying to get her baby into the optimal position, and I felt very connected to her story. I could not believe that I was in almost the exact same shoes as this woman, just in another time and place. Listening to her story reminded me that I wasn't alone, that other moms had walked my path before. And I thought to myself, if they can do it, I can do it. If Hillary Frank can do it, 
I can do it. And I did. Oh, that show that I stumbled upon? Yeah, that was the longest, shortest time. That is one of the most successful podcasts about parenting out there. It is the show that made me want to get into podcasting. And I just absolutely love that the reason why I found that show was just happenstance and that I really, really needed to hear a story about a mom who was overdue and that Hillary Frank was that mom. So I'm very appreciative for that. And I also find it very interesting that I am releasing this episode today, right before my daughter's fourth birthday. And it's also sad and bittersweet that this is the year that we don't have the Olympics. So I I just think that this was something in me that needed to come out. And so I think the timing was very, very much on purpose. Anyways, back to my story. All right. So in August of 2016, I didn't know any of this. I didn't know I was going to get into podcasting. All I knew was that I was hot and still pregnant. So around day three of being overdue, I lost my mind. I thought that I would be pregnant forever if the baby had not come by now. I think I went through all five stages of grief every day. I joked with friends that Grace would just go to kindergarten in my belly. They would have to like make a new desk for me in my huge five-year-old pregnant belly. (laughs) I tried all of the natural induction methods um, except castor oil. I was not interested in that because of poop and I was advised not to do that. Um, And then (laughs) the next day on August 8th, ironically, which today is August 8th that I am recording this, I had a really weird thought. So the practice that I went to, there was four midwives in the practice. And throughout my pregnancy, when I started seeing them, which was around 20 weeks pregnant, because I had switched providers a couple times, I had seen three out of four of the midwives a lot. And there was this one midwife, her name was Amanda as well. And I had only met her one time And she was just the one that I was the least comfortable with simply because I didn't know her very well. So I randomly had this thought in my head of she's going to be the one that I have on call when I go into labor. I just had this thought of like, that's Murphy's law. That's what's going to happen. Of course, I'm not going to get a midwife that I'm, you know, familiar with and that I've met several times. I'm going to kind of get like my least favorite pick of the litter was the thought that was going through my head. So I picked up the phone and I called my midwife practice and I asked, what day is Amanda going to be on call next? And they said, let me look it up. And then they told me August 17th. And I said, thank you very much. And I hung up the phone and I went over to my husband and I said, all right, well, I'm going to be pregnant for another week. This baby is not coming until August 17th. And he looked at me really puzzled and said, why do you say that? (laughs) And I replied with, well, it's Murphy's law. I'm going to get the midwife that we know the least that I'm least comfortable with. You know what guys, that's exactly what happened. I kid you not. I went into labor on August 16th, but it was prodromal labor very, very early. By the time that stuff was really, really happening, we called the midwife practice to let them know that I was in labor and to get them involved. And Uh, It was about 6.30 in the morning, which anybody who knows anything about most hospitals is that the shift change happens at 7 a.m. And the midwife uh, that I was knew really, really well, she was just about to end her shift. And Amanda, the midwife, is about to come on duty. 
It was August 17th at 7 a.m. And when did I go to the hospital? I think I got there at about 7.45. So um, I know that's a really random extra story, bonus story. <laughs> it's true. And, you know, I'm really glad that it happened that way. It's very weird and coincidental, but I'm glad that it happened that way because I was able to stop thinking about being overdue. Just taking my mind off of that and thinking, okay, this baby is really not coming until August 17th. And at that point, it was August 8th. If someone had said to me that day, without me thinking of this idea on my own, you were going to be pregnant for another week, I would have cried. I would have punched them. I would have cried. I would have been an absolute wreck. But instead, I came up with this idea myself in a very irrational way, but it didn't matter because it helped me stop thinking about still being pregnant. It helped me to not be tempted to think about getting induced. And also it really helped me to help out my future self. What do I mean by that? Well, I decided, all right, if I've got another week of being pregnant, I'm gonna make some frozen dinners for myself. I'm gonna clean my house some more, dust the baby's room again, uh, sleep in. So that's exactly what I did. And you know what? I was able to enjoy the last few days of pregnancy. My husband and I went to the movies. We went to dinner and went on dates. We walked malls because it was so freaking hot in Georgia (laughs) in August. So uh, we walked so that I could, you know, try to get that baby out, get her in a good position. So then when I was pregnant with my son, Cooper, I assumed that I would go late again. One thing that I didn't mention is that I knew that I was going to go late. It was just like my mother's intuition. I knew that I was going to go late because I myself was 10 days late being born. And I knew it so much that I've mentioned this other podcast, but I actually switched providers twice because the first two providers that I saw said, if you go to 41 weeks, we will induce you at that point. And my mother's intuition just said, you need more time than that. This baby is not going to be born by 41 weeks. So even though I had that intuition, I still, when I was 40 weeks and two days pregnant, I still really, really, really wanted to not be pregnant anymore and really wanted to meet my baby. So none of that mattered in in, in the time. So getting back to my story about having Cooper, um, when I was pregnant with him, I assumed that I would be late again and I was right. I actually thought that I would go later than I did. I thought that I would go close to 42 weeks again. But I went to 40 and six days, so almost to 41 weeks, but I didn't even make it to the 41 week mark with him. And I also planned ahead. I used what I had learned from my pregnancy with Grace in those last couple days. And before I hit 40 weeks, I made a can-do list. So instead of a to-do list, I made a can-do list so that I didn't feel pressured like these are the things that I must get done because I didn't want to psych my body into holding the baby in so that I could accomplish all these things. I don't know. Anyways, just go with me. I made a can-do list. These are the things that I can do if I want to do things so that every day when I woke up pregnant, I had a list of things that I could easily go to and just say, all right, what am I in the mood to do to preoccupy my time, to distract me? And you know what? It ended up being a win-win because if I was still pregnant, I got stuff done. If I wasn't, I had my baby. It really was a win-win and it helped. I mean, it sincerely helped. And I had a bunch of different things on my list because I didn't want to feel like I just had to produce, produce, produce. So I had thing like rest related things, um, activities to spend time with grace, my daughter, because 
I was just about to go from a mom of one to a mom of two. So these were our last precious days of being just the two of us uh, when my husband was at work uh, and I was just home with her. And I also would, you know, do things to get ready for the delivery. So physically, I would do spinning babies exercises in the mile circuit to get the baby in a good position. I would get ready for delivery mentally by doing meditations. I used a, an app called Mind the Bump, and I would do daily meditations. And then I did the, you know, helping my future self out again by making freezer meals and cleaning things and organizing. Overall, the difference between going overdue the first time around and the second time around was night and day. Sure, I had been there before, but I think it was mostly my mental framework that helped me the most. I had an easy list of things to do with my time, and I had set the expectation in my mind that he would not be born until 41 weeks. So when I hit 40 weeks, I wasn't on the clock. I didn't feel like the clock had started and it was ticking down. I really think that this helped so, so much. I wanted to go over some statistics, okay? So um, the average first-time mom goes into labor at 40 weeks and 8 days. So that means that the average first-time mom goes to 41 weeks. That you shouldn't, if you're a first-time mom, you really shouldn't even expect to have your baby before 41 weeks. Now, I know that we're in some kind of strange times right now with COVID, with the pandemic, and that OBGYNs are pushing for, you know, earlier inductions, um, inductions at 39 weeks or even 40 weeks for various reasons. And I am not a clinician and I am not going to sit here and give anybody recommendations on if you should or should not be induced. I am telling this story about myself because when I was pregnant and thinking about the birth that I wanted to have, Something that was very, very important to me was not being induced. Pitocin was a four-letter word to me, like honestly. And everybody has their thing. Everybody has their thing that they care about, that they're you know, maybe afraid of or apprehensive about. And for me, being induced, having medical interventions, that was scary to me, frightening, and something I really, really wanted to stay away from. I just wanted to say that if you are at the end of your pregnancy and you are just done being pregnant and you just want to get your baby out and the doctor is, is recommending or your midwife is, is recommending induction and you want to go with that, that's wonderful. I think that that is the right choice for you. For me, it was very important to wait until my body went into labor spontaneously. Um, I It was something I deeply desired to experience and I'm so thankful that I did. Another thing that I'll say is that the provider that I saw for Grace's birth, they were open to me going past 40 weeks, 41 weeks, 42 weeks, as long as everything looked good. So at 41 weeks, I had I came in to their office for what's called a biophysical profile, a BPP. And I had an ultrasound done where they check the fluid levels, the amniotic fluid levels to make sure that there's enough. They're also just checking out baby to make sure everything looks good. And I had a BPP done with both babies and they both looked fantastic. In both pregnancies, the fluid level was at an optimal level. Um, and so I just wanted to say this because I don't want to seem flippant 
about any mom that's in a different position than me. Uh, there is absolutely nothing wrong with being induced. It was just something that was really important to me to avoid if at all possible. And that is the idea that my provider had, which was, we're only going to induce you if it's medically necessary, which was very, very helpful to me. All right. So now I want to switch gears and I want to talk specifically about my recommendations for creating your own can-do list. Okay. So the idea is that you are not giving yourself a list of tasks to accomplish. Rather, you're serving yourself up self-care ideas on a silver platter. So you're just making it so easy for yourself that every day that you wake up pregnant, you can just go to that list and look at it and say, hmm, these are a bunch of things that I could do to occupy my mind and body while I'm in this waiting time. I actually suggest making a few different lists or a couple different sections of your list, depending on what you are in the mood for, depending on the day or the time of day. So here's my suggestions. I may, I, I'm suggesting that you make three different lists for connecting, being productive, or resting and restoring. Okay, the things that are going to go on your connecting list are going to be things like spending time with your spouse, have date nights, prepare for the birth, discuss how you feel about becoming parents, what are you looking forward to, teaching your baby, spend some time with yourself to connect with yourself, go for a walk write in a journal, listen to your favorite music, or watch your favorite movie, and spend some time with your family and friends. Even if this is via FaceTime during the pandemic, connecting with other family members like your parents or some friends, especially those that have gone before you, could be a really great idea for you to do right now. Okay, the things that can go on your productivity list is making freezer meals to eat after baby arrives. So I would recommend actually storing it in smaller portions rather than make a whole lasagna and store it in a casserole dish. Make a entire lasagna, but try to portion it out into smaller uh, dish sizes so that you just have like an easy, ready-to-go dinner for the two of you, if it's just the two of you, or if you have a larger family, obviously go for the larger portion. But um, if you're first-time parents, I'd recommend freezing meals in smaller two-person portion sizes. Uh, another thing that can go on your productivity list is cleaning your house, dusting the baby's room. You could go for a walk or exercise if you're really, really feeling up to it, but nothing too intense. You're about to give birth, so definitely want to store up your energy. Um, you could also do some spinning babies exercises to get your baby in the optimal position. I have talked about spinning babies before, but it's a wonderful website and it really just talks about positioning, your body position, baby's position. That's a really big tenant of spinning babies. So I'll link to that in the show notes for this episode. Um, another idea that you can do is write your baby gift thank yous. So whether you had a in-person or virtual baby shower, get your thank you notes out of the way if you haven't already written them, because you're not going to want to do that after baby arrives, probably. Um, another thing you can do is find postpartum support. You know, whether that be in-person with a family member or a postpartum doula or virtual support, also find a support group. There are a lot of online support groups for Moms with Babies, I actually host one every Friday afternoon at 2 p.m. Eastern. You can go to my website, hit the connect button, and find the Zoom link for our virtual support group for moms with newborns. 
There are also a lot of breastfeeding groups. If you're choosing to breastfeed, you can also find a lactation consultant to support you after birth if you want to breastfeed. There are many lactation consultants in hospitals that are available. However, I have been reading that a lot of them are backed up at hospitals right now just because of being short-staffed. So that's something to think about that if you really are interested in breastfeeding, you know, this is a great time to take a breastfeeding class or find your local Le Leche League support group or chapter and also find a IBCLC, an International Board Certified Lactation Consultant, that is available to work with you, whether it be in person or virtual, whatever you are comfortable with and what's available to you. Um, But that is a wonderful support option. So that's definitely something that I would highly recommend thinking about, even if you don't go overdue. So if you're listening to this and you're 36 weeks pregnant, please, please, please think about your postpartum support and get your plan and your village in place now while you're pregnant, if you can. The last list that I would recommend making, the last category would be resting and restoring. So this would be things like sleeping in or going to bed early, meditating. So I mentioned the Mind the Bump app that I really love. There are also guided meditations out there that are either free or that you can pay a little bit for. I did a guided meditation about getting over my fear of childbirth that I paid on Alexia Leachman's website. I'll link to that in the show notes, the the exact website link. Um, But that was a a very inexpensive guided meditation that I paid for. So there are a lot of different things that you can do to kind of get your mind and body and soul ready for birth and labor. And then, you know, if you're feeling any real feelings of anxiety or if you're feeling fear at all, You could also use this time to make a telehealth appointment with a therapist if you can't, you know, go see one in person. So that's, that's the list. What do you think of my can do list? Do you think this is a great idea? Do you think this is kind of goofy? It works for me. I would love to hear your feedback. If you do put this list into use, what did you put on your list? Please tell me, reach out to me via email at Amanda at findingyourvillagepod.com. I'm also on Instagram, like I've mentioned many times before at Finding Your Village. And in addition to letting me know what you think of the shows thus far, are there any topics that you would like to hear about or anything you have questions about? I've got a lot of great content coming up the rest of the summer, but I am always thinking of new ideas for topics. So if you have any, please shoot them my way. All right, well, I hope that you have a great rest of your week. Take care and stay safe.